Okay, so review. The last time, time before last, we met. So I, 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 I presented you guys this, this a proof of meaning. How do we know meaning is a real thing? Um, and it's based on human experience. That, you know, while you might meet people, nihilists, you know, they might argue, you know, life doesn't have meaning, you know, why care, you know, doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 blah. Um, one thing they can't deny is that their pain means something. Which is interesting. Yeah, you can't think your way out of pain. You can't, oh, that doesn't matter. No, it matters, and your feelings are telling you it matters. And that it was like from this place that 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 I was positing, well, if, if pain is meaningful and you know suffering exists, you know, these things are there, well their opposites are are there too. And and kind of offer this idea that you know that you know when you when you take on that the definition of bad you know is causing people to needlessly suffer you know the opposite is to dedicate yourself in such a way where you can start improving everyone's life and it doesn't just end there that's just the opposite but what if it's more yeah do you think that a form of improving people's life is causing them to suffer for a little bit if it's like beneficial for them maybe in a sense? maybe it could i mean that that I, I, would, I would make a distinction between the idea of pain and suffering. Like, we all feel pain in a sense of, ouch, that hurts, or I don't like that. But, you know, the suffering is like, it's really it's adding on unnecessary, on, unnecessary uh, uh, pain. It's probably one, one way of thinking about it. Because I'll tell you, like, you know, with, with raising kids, let's say, um, you have to punish kids, like, in order to get the best results in behavior, you have to reward and punish. Both have to be there. But the, the trick with punishing is that you want, you want to set things up in such a way where the punishment is annoying, but you don't make yourself aversive to your kids. So something like when you spank kids, well, that's, that's, the, that's probably not the way to go. Um, just because what ends up happening is most people who spank, it gets out of control. You know, you learn that, oh, spanking works, and it works. It makes kids do, it makes kids stop doing what you don't want them to be doing. So you end up training yourself that spanking is a solution. But it actually is a bad long-term solution because the more you spank kids, the more they act up. You know, the more problems they get. And, and you make yourself uh, aversive, like kids don't like parents who hit them, period. And so what ends up happening is... They behave. They misbehave more and more and more. You think spanking works because it works as a good short-term solution. So you're spanking more and more and more. And parents who who take on spanking as a strategy, sixty percent of them end up hitting their kid in such a way that's illegal, and it would be defined as child abuse. And that's usually when the parents wake up and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't spank. That's a horrible idea." So like, that's definitely causing pain, but you gotta watch it. So like. To give kids timeouts. Timeouts work just as well as a, as a punisher, and you don't end up messing up your kid, you know? Like, so, yes, you do have to cause a little pain to people sometimes. You know, at the, even at the very least, if you say no. You know, someone has a request of you. You know, hey, will you, will you marry me? No. Well, that's going to break his heart. But you might have just saved your, your, yourself a life of pain yourself. You know, like, yes, you do. You have to hurt people. Just not maliciously. Just don't be malicious about it. That's all. Did God... Um, I never thought of this sentence, how do we know meaning is a real thing? 
So people say God's rules give meaning, but could he have just given us meaning like in itself, like the very thing of meaning? Could he have given us meaning? Like without the rules. Like rules give us meaning. But could he have just given us like just pure meaning? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna be annoying, okay? You're gonna what? I'm gonna be annoying, okay? My answer. Okay. Okay. We're gonna play a game. It's your turn. It's fine. I think I get what you mean. Cause I don't know what to do and the rules are they're the only thing that would help me know anything yeah. about the game. Yeah. The, it, so there can't be meaning without rules. There can't be meaning without rules. Meaning can only exist when it's bounded and limited. The more, li limits make things meaningful. I'm so glad you understood my question because yeah. I wasn't sure. If okay. Yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. Okay. And so this idea that that okay, well, there's meaning, and and at the very the very least, you know, what what is good is not causing unnecessary sadistic suffering to people. Well, maybe that's not the only thing. Maybe there's something more. You know, maybe maybe all action is meaningful. And so this is where we get into Judaism's perspective on on meaning is every behavior means something. So it's not it's not as though like when you're looking at halachas, it's like, oh, you know, those rabbis, they they're OCD, you know, like come on, you know, tying your shoes, who cares how you do it? It's like, no, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy into this theory that what you do matters, well then everything you do matters. You can't have it both ways where, you know, there's like a gray area. Some things are okay, some things are not, yeah. and then there's like Kefland. You know, like no, there's not Kefland. What you do is meaningful, period. Mm -hmm. Or not. But then we get back to the problem of, okay, fine, you want to say meaning's not, you want to say that there's no such thing as meaning, so then why are you so upset you're in pain? Yeah. Do you also feel that, like, when people leave sem seminary, for example, like, they get less inspired? Do you feel like it's, like, I could correlate that with not looking at the rule book for a long time, and I have to like people start forgetting the rule book or because they're not playing the game anymore? I think it would be, it would be more that it's because you changed the field you're playing in. Oh, you know what I mean? Like whenever you play a home game, you always play, you always play better. You know? Wow. Yep. Home field home field advantage. Here oh, you're in seminary, you have home field okay. advantage. You you would know all the rules, you know how to play the game, and you play the game very well here. Just like a football team plays very well when it's homecoming. Aside from the fact they always pick like the suckiest team to play, so they like are trying to make sure they win, but it's a real thing. Like playing the home field advantage is a real is a real thing, home field advantage. Um so it's like the problem people run into when they leave seminary is that they have to learn how to play the same rules in a different place. And that's going to require using different rules at different times. It's going to, it's going to require creativity. And it's also, it's also a, a fear evoking, you know, like you're in a new place. You know, you grew up, let's say, you know, you grew up even like, you know, not religious at all. And so you go home, how do you have Shabbos for the first time in a house that has never seen Shabbos? That's a very interesting environment to make Shabbos. Yeah. How do you do it? And, and so it, it, it's that combination of having to know how to do it in a different place and also facing the anxiety of, of having to confront that unknown that, well, you know, makes it like, why do I want to keep doing this? This is painful, you know. That's, I think that's a part of it. That's a part of it. Yeah. Also, I, I, I don't know, because it's like this idea of being inspired. I almost kind of like think of it as 
almost kind of like a clinical depression a little bit, you know, because like the way, no, because the way clinical depression works is that, you know, well, how does it end up that someone is just like knocked out in bed, not wanting to do anything in their life? You know, you're lucky if they get up to go to the bathroom, you know? So, well, part of it is like one thing that bad happened, you know, they, they lost their job and they feel horrible or even something good. I mean, it's just as likely to, to, to develop depression if you got a promotion or you go on vacation. I mean, the depression happens. So it's like it, it knocks out a person a little bit, but what ends up happening is, okay, I'm feeling down, you know, okay, you know, like I you know, lost my job. Well, I'm not going to go on my, on my run that I always go on every evening. You know, oh, you know, I lost my job. You know, well, my friends are going out. I don't feel like going out. They actually start detaching from the rest of their life. And so what ultimately makes depression is not you lost your job. It's the fact that you started saying, I'm not going to do that. 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 And you completely detach yourself from the reward of living. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, well, so I think it's a similar idea that, well, okay, fine. You leave seminary. Well, you have to keep. You have to maintain some sort of connection with, with meaning. You can't wait for inspiration to happen. You, you have to seek it. And it's very easy to seek it in seminary. I mean, like you guys have a schedule and, and, and you have a bunch of rabbis who te- and, and rabbitsons that teach you interesting stuff. Like you, you can fall out of bed and find something that's inspirational, but you're not going to have that where you're yeah. going to be disconnected from that when you leave. So it's like you got to, just like someone who's depressed, man, like, Get out of bed. Go out with your friends. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, you said you complete like when you're depressed, you completely detach yourself from the reward of of living. Living. Well, so it's like so it's like man, like okay, same thing. Wake up in the morning. Make sure you have like a you know Rashi next to your bed. You know, set some time to to listen to classes. Mm-hmm. Make sure you go to shul every day. Like you have to do it, otherwise, just like depression, you just it doesn't. You lose the inspiration because you're not inspiring yourself. Like it, it, it's just forgetting of, forgetting about what it could give you. You're not looking at like the good or the bad. It's just like it's forgetting. Kind yeah, kind of, and it and it builds. It's it's it builds. It's this the the, the more you don't do it, the worse the problem you have. You know. It'd be, okay, fine, like, tonight you didn't want to go out with friends, but the fact you keep doing that, and you've been doing that for three months, and it's not just you're not going out with friends, it's like, you're not, like I said, you're not going exercising, you're not, you know, reading the books you like, you're not, like, man, like, the whole, you're detached from all of life, and that's what really does it, so, I think it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We also, we also, two sessions back, we also talked about how, well, kind of similar idea here is how some things, some meaning might be difficult to detect. Yeah, that was I was saying that was your question. So we had a couple ideas throwing throwing out there. You know, this idea that well maybe we have our terms wrong. Now I had a my, my grandmother on my 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 father-in-law's mother, um, not religious, you know, and and you know more conservative, but you know, you know, keeping Shabbos is still something pretty foreign to her. And and we were walking, we were walking, taking a Shabbos walk when she was visiting Israel once, and and man, she was really ragging on um the idea of Shabbos, like, well, isn't Shabbos supposed to be a day of rest? And you're telling me if I carry a napkin outside that I'm breaking Shabbos? That, well, I find it more restful to have a napkin. Well, that's a confusion of terms. Shabbos is not restful. It's not. It's the hardest day of the week. It, 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 it's restful in as far as you cannot do creative actions. 
But it demands a lot. It demands a lot of thought, of thinking about God creating the world, of thinking about how there's a purpose to reality, thinking about how, you know, ultimately, you know, we say, you know, Shabbos is the, is the, is the source of all bracha. It is the source of all meaning because fundamentally it is living out the idea that God created the world and there are rules, man. There are rules. It's a very hard day. And, you know, the, 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 the cool thing about, we say, you know, carrying her point well, it's a creative act when you, you change an object when you move it somewhere else. That's a creative act. Same, same similar thing of, well, if you go somewhere else, you change. You might be less religious. You know, it might be harder. Like the environment you exist in actually makes you, makes the thing what it is. You know, a ladder has, has utility when it's next to a house so you can get on a roof. But a ladder in the middle of nowhere does nothing. It actually, the object is different because its well, function is different. Yeah. And there's, there's a quote I really like, like a flower can't grow in the same, the same environment like yeah. as it can in other environments. That's why I like, can't blame yourself for the way you act sometimes if your environment, like, it's going to change you. Can't blame yourself entirely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah entirely. Because yeah, you're a part of your environment. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's that, that relationship. Um, you know, so another idea is, well, you know, also another, another idea why meaning might not feel meaningful is, well, you might also not have a really good explanation for the thing. You know, a lot of people run around with a, a third grader level definition of God. So as a 30 year old, that's just not going to cut it. It just won't. Like thinking about God as a 30 year old, when I, I haven't updated my third grader definition of God, it's not going to be meaningful because it's not going to be sophisticated enough. That could be another problem you have if things don't, you know, feel meaningful. And another thing is, well, maybe you haven't lived as long. You know, maybe you need to live longer. You know, when you get older, it's kind of interesting how, how uh, people generally, politically speaking, they become more conservative. Well, because one reason is, is because they, they have built a life that they value and do not want to lose. Older people have more to lose than young people. Because they have the job they built, they have the kids they're supporting, they have the, the house that they that they work for, and you want to protect that. So you actually become more politically conservative because you have more to lose. You value things more. They, they didn't exist in your life when you were, say, you know, 15 or 19. Democrats are like, you want equality for everyone and like socialism because then everyone's equal and then you disregard how hard people work. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's more relatable as a young person because you haven't built anything yet. So it was very popular being young. It's like, well, why can't why can't I have the things I don't have already? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and so older people say you don't have it because you didn't earn it. You got to earn it like me. And that, this is this is kind of like an, a perspective thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I was kind of thinking about this one. And I think like you know a, a riff off of this idea, this idea that well you're limit you now are limited. You're always you'll always be limited. I was kind of thinking like the worst thing you could say to somebody is you're fine the way you are. If you want to really, really, really say something nasty to somebody, I think the nastiest thing you can say to anybody is you're fine as you are. What? Because what that implies is, well, you ain't getting, you don't need to get better. And that's just like, just not true. And it takes away something to live for, really, you know? You're just fine. You're fine the way you are. See, it's like, no, you're not. You're not. A lot of clients I, I get, you know, they'll have therapists who will, 
you know, you're good, you're fine, you're working hard. And they come to me. I'm like, no, you got problems, man. No, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they're appreciative because I'm actually, well, part of it is I'm actually, I'm speaking the truth. Like I'm actually describing their experience. Because when you say, oh, it's fine, it's fine. It's like, well, really, all the problems in my life are fine? No, they're not. They're problems. It's like, no, yeah, you know, you're not fine the way you are. And, and it, it, it has this underlying hopefulness to it because, well, you're not fine as you are, but you could be better. You, you can never even start considering being better what about until. things you can't change. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> Physically. Yeah, which, what's that? I don't think there's so much, many things on that list. What do you mean? Well, what, what can't, have what like can't you change? Or what can't you change a little bit? What? Yeah. I'm saying saying he's right though with all the plastic surgery and everything like physically you can even change everything about yourself I mean quadriplegic Ah. okay you got me on that one you're quadriplegic what's a quadriplegic you're missing arms and legs okay fine but even there like okay so you know you have people who I mean you have people who stepped on an IUD in in Afghanistan and like they they get they have artificial legs because they lost Mm -hmm. both of them so okay like you could that's an improvement from not walking at the very least I mean you're right there's a limitedness to life but really there's something you can't improve are you asking me or just saying that a little of both but you know you you get my point like it doesn't mean that there's a difference between making life perfect that never exists that for sure you're right you can't you can't make things you know unbearably beautiful forever you know you're lucky if you have like five good years and and then it'll be hard and then maybe you'll have five other good years like life has ups and downs I'm, I'm, I'm not joking like you gotta be ready for it yeah. you know if, if you don't have a health problem now well the chances are like someone in your family probably does and if you don't have anyone in your family who's suffering well oh, 10 years from now you will and we all die so it's like there's always going to be a problem yeah. you know there's always a problem somewhere but like you always can make it better mm-hmm. you can always make it better so I feel like when I when I am feeling really good, I'm like waiting for the people. Job. Yeah, in a way, I'm like something's wrong, and I just don't know it yet. And and there kind of gets into this idea of well, yeah, like it's it's good to have that part to be aware that 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 life is challenging, but at the same time, you don't want it to you don't want it to mask the fact that life is great. I mean, the fact that you can make life better, like. Who's, who said that that could be the case? But it is. I mean, that's just amazing. And, like, we have plenty to be thankful for. And, and I mean, the, the world is designed. I mean, the world is getting better, so it must be designed to get better. I mean, like, the life is great. Mm-hmm. But you have to have both. Otherwise, it's just like you're living, you're living, in a, you're living a lie, essentially, if you, if you don't see both. Mm-hmm. You know? Anywho. And also this idea that meaning is communal. That's another, another thing here. That it might actually be, we kind of talked about the Nefesh Chaim. it might actually be that there are certain mitzvahs that you just don't connect to. There might be certain ideas that just aren't meaningful to you. And, and it might actually be your, your, your Shorosh and Neshama doesn't connect to it. But it connects to other people. And the, the fact that you're doing the mitzvah is for everyone else who it does connect to. That we're a society. We're not just individuals. So that could very well be. Okay. Today, I wanted to tackle the question of Darabunnans. Why do we have them? Why is it even permitted to have a Darabunnan? So we have a problem. 
because the 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 uh, there's a there's a prohibition called baltosif baltigra that is forbidden to add or subtract from the Torah. So, for example, if you wanted to keep an extra day of Sukkot, that is forbidden. That is a prohibition. If you wanted to have, say, a, a tefillin, you want to have a, a fifth, a fifth a box in your tefillin, forbidden. If you wanted to, you're really enjoying Pesach, you want to extend it a couple days, and you're full on in Pesach mode, and you're having matzah, l'shem, Pesach, ten days later, that's forbidden. Excessive. <laughs> <laughs> Pesach's a hard one. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Why not? Yeah, everyone wants to extend Pesach. So that, that's a prohibition. That is, that is forbidden to do. So when you start looking at Darabunans, it's like, well, wait a second, that's really adding. That's really adding to the Torah. So what's going on here? Because the fundamental idea behind this, this prohibition of, of Baltosif is, well, isn't the Torah perfect? Mm, yes. Yes. And that's the right answer. A for the day. But once you, once you give that answer, then you, you get hit with this, with this problem of, well, if it's perfect... Well, why are we adding to it? So what? Not yeah. So what exactly does Shlemus mean? Yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna come up with yeah. Uh, we're gonna have to come up with little things like that. So there's three types. So I thought before kind of approaching that question a little bit, we need to kind of define our terms. First is what are the types of darabunans that exist? So we have darabunans that that add on additional restrictions. So something like uh, eating chicken and cheese. That's an example of adding on, restrict, extending a particular prohibition. We have additions. Chavi Purim and Hanukkah. Purim's coming up. Huzzah. And, and full-on changes. So something like when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, what don't we do? We do not blow the shofar. Wow. That's right. So those are kind of the three types of, of, of Darabunans that you're going to run into. So what's going on? Doesn't that probably make the prayers so much shorter? Because you don't have to wait. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So what's the function? That really begs the question. That's kind of what you were getting to of, well, you know, we have to change our, you know, what's the, we're not, you know, it's the, the Torah is perfect, but we gotta take, we got to deal, we have to deal with ourselves. We have to sort ourselves out. Now that really is the, that really is the answer. Because the function of a Darabund is not to add to the Torah. It's to act it has a the the the, the it has, you know, we'll put it this way. It has four different functions to it. Number one is your avoid. It's it's keeping us from making a halachic mistake. That would be something like muksa on Shabbos. That's a that's a fun derabanan. Well, what that does it avoids us from making a mistake of carrying outside. You know, it might be people will forget. You know, you might just you know uh, haphazardly leave something in your pocket and you walk out. Or, you know, you might actually think, oh, it's permitted to carry. I got confused. Didn't mean to. It's, like an, it's more than just not thinking about it. It's, it's more of an honest mistake. The, the second function of a Darabana is to preserve the nature of halacha. So for that, that, that idea of like that is Amir Lagoy, not being able to ask a non-Jew to do things for you on Shabbos. Well, that's a Darabana. And the whole reason behind that is because we want to preserve the nature of Shabbos. 
You know, if you were able to ask a non-Jew to do everything for you on Shabbos, well, Shabbos would kind of disappear, even though you're technically keeping it. Uh, this is this is kind of one idea behind, you know, the, the Chazanish, for example, was struggling with uh, with the idea of outlining, well, what's forbidden about electricity on Shabbos? You know, he wasn't so into using, uh, you know, turning, say, turning on and off a light. And he made the argument it's a prohibition that's a derisive prohibition. Really put the fear of God in people. Don't turn on lights on Shabbos. And although it's, you know, for, for say, these sort of light bulbs, not the filament ones, but the, you know, the more the, the, the halogen sort of, you know, uh, uh, fluorescent lights. Um, turn those on, off, and on are actually darabunnant of no lot. You're not, it's a darabunnant. You can't create something that didn't exist before. But, like, he was trying to make the argument. He writes in letters, this is what he was doing, of he's really trying to lay it on. Like, don't, don't turn off and on lights because, like, you're going to, even though it might technically be permitted on a Torah level, you're actually going to lose Shabbos. So darabunnant's preserve halachas in many cases like that, like that example. Um, another is that they instill uh, uh, morals and values which already exist in halacha, uh, but make them more pronounced. So that's Purim and Hanukkah. You know, the whole idea behind Purim and Hanukkah is this, this uh, uh, with, with Purim, let's say, is the idea that, uh, you know, God acts in the world. And, you know, we don't see God's name once written in the Megillah, but he's constantly behind the scenes, because that's what God does, and He and He ultimately, uh, uh, through these sort of you know quote unquote you know uh, happenstances, things work out in the end. You know, so it's the idea that God does. Uh, God, there is such a thing as hashgacha pratis. Well, we already knew that. You know, we don't need Purim to have that idea within Judaism. But what Purim does is it accentuates it. That that maybe like you know there's something wrong with us you know we don't exactly always get the get the point that maybe God is running the world and so we have a whole holiday to remind us of it or say Hanukkah you know as bad as bad can get you know the darkest dark you know the 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 the, the base of Mikdash has been taken over and and you know huge parts of Judaism just can't be done anymore you know we're you know things are pretty bad that despite that. The world can get better, that you can put in the effort, you can challenge difficulties in the world, and what you do matters. You can actually turn things around, and with God's help, you can do the impossible. Again, we don't need Hanukkah for that idea, but it brings it out. It, it, it makes us more aware of that lesson so that it's more in our life in a way that is more helpful, let's say. And the other is, say, you know, preserving our national character. So Darabunans like Bishalakum, not being not allowing a non-Jew to cook for you. That's a Darabunan. Well, why do we have that? Well, one reason is in our marriage. To keep a, a healthy distance between us and non-Jews in the sense of, of, of being able then to preserve the unique Jewish character that is hyper-obsessed with moral action. Which it really that makes us unique. It just makes us unique. There really isn't any other culture that is as hyper hypersensitive to things behavior having meaning than us. So that's that's worth protecting. So it's not a matter of changing the Torah. You know, the Torah is perfect, but it's so perfect it's worth protecting. And that's the idea behind a Darabunan.
The Rabbeinu Yonah, in his commentary on Perki Avos, he, he, makes, he makes it synonymous, you know, keeping a Darabunin, you know, uh, being careful Darabunins as being an act of love, ultimately. That's really Avos Hashem. That I love you so much, I want to take what you said seriously, and I want to sit down with forethought and think, how can I make this a reality? That's, that's love. That's love. Taking someone seriously. And that's what a Darabonin is exactly doing, is taking seriously the, 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 the divine laws and the divine mission that God gave us. Okay. Now things get a little, little interesting. Because we, we have a dispute in the Rishonim about the nature, the spiritual nature of a Darabonin. Is it something that is just functional, the way I spelled out to you guys, that it makes, it protects the Torah, and yay for us. That would be the Ramban would have that position. That it's up to Bazdin to create uh, create uh, these, these, these Darabonins to, to make sure the Torah is safe and we were able to actualize it. And yes, it's an act of love, that's all great, but that's where it ends. But for the Rambam, he says something very interesting. He makes the claim, there's a Gemara Yushalmi in Yavamos that seems to back him up, that when, when we create a Darabanan, we're actually creating a new mitzvah. It's actually, it's, it has spiritual significance. It's not just functional. To the point where we have this idea in halacha, it's called the Zakein Mamre, where uh, let's say you have somebody who, you know, a, a, shayla, a, a halachic question gets to the Sanhedrin Agadol, they paskin on the Shaila, they say it's an Isadera Bunin, it's for sure an Isadera Bunin to, to be having matzah after the sixth hour before Pesach. Guys, don't do it. Well, a Zakein Mamre, if they, if they contradict the Sanhedrin, in a halacha that carries the, the repercussion of kares, well, we kill that man. That is a death penalty offense. For the Ramban, we would not kill such a man. If he wants to argue about, you know, when you can't eat matzah, heir of Pesach, well, he's, he's an idiot, and we, you know, yell at him and whatever, but no big deal. Like, we don't kill him. But for the Ramban, who believes that the actual creation of a Darabonin is a spiritual act. It's an act. It's 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 like it's the it's the the realization of our Elohim. We make meaning. It's not just we see meaning. You know, the Ramban's way of kind of looking at this is we see meaning, we observe meaning, we can act in accordance with meaning. But that's as far as it goes. For the Ramban, it's more than that. We actually can make meaning. We're 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 meaning we're meaning generating creatures. That's what that's what we are. So for him in this question, well, if you wanna if you wanna argue in a Darabunin against the Sanhedrin Agadol, we'll kill you over it. So Zakim Mamre says the Rambam is Chayav Misa. That's a huge distinction. That's a huge argument. But that's the that's the fundamental uh, 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 argument. Is well, how how far does how far does human divinity go? How how spiritual of a creature are we? How godlike are we? So the Rambam, he says, no, we're pretty godlike. We're so godlike we can create reality. That's how godlike we are. When we make a Darabunin, it is, it is a Daraisa. 
That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, isn't technically a Darabun and a Daraita if you really look at it in certain ways? Because, like, the Torah says you have to listen to your rabbis and that's you have right. to listen to everything they say. So wouldn't it right. technically be a Daraita? So then why is it even a Darabun and not just add it to a Daraita and then I just pick it up like you That's right. And, and, and that's exactly, yeah, and that's exactly it. Yeah. That's the dispute between the Rambam and the Ramban. Hmm. Okay. So who makes Darabunans? There's a science behind this. The way it works is first you need to have a Sanhedrin a guttle. So we can't make Darabunans today. In today's day and age, we don't, there's no Darabunan making. And it's, there's, there is a relationship between the Sanhedrin that creates the Darabunan and the community. There's, it's almost like there's a grace period that it, when they create a Darabunan, they have to have in mind, this has to be something people can actually do. You can actually live life doing this. And there has been in Jewish history times where the Sanhedrin had a bright idea. They thought, hey, this is a good, this is a good idea. Let's, let's throw this restriction into the community. And the community's like, no, we can't live this way. This is horrible. So the Darabunan goes away. It has to be accepted by the Jewish people. But once it's accepted by the Jewish people, there's no takebacks. No takebacks. Except if you have a Sanhedrin that is as uh, authoritative as the one that created the Darabonin. So, it, 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 you know, there's no takebacks in the sense that once the first generation took it on, you as the second generation can't say, well, it doesn't work for me. That doesn't work. But there is a legalistic sort of way of, yes, having takebacks. You have the Sanhedrin Agudal readdress the issue, and they can revoke a Darabonin. This, this, this is very much relevant to us in, uh, today with Second Day Yom Tov. You know, why do we have two days of Yom Tov? This is exactly why. Why? Because there's no Sanhedrin Agudal that exists to take it back. For the Ramban, it's like totally justified. It's like, well, if the whole function of a Darabunin is, it's only functional, it's only to make sure that I don't mess up keeping halacha. So like, okay, fine. It's a technical, it's a technical uh, a pain in the neck. Okay, I'm stuck with a Darabunin. But for the Rambam, where his, the, the, the way that he looks at Darabunins is that you're actually creating a Daraisa. Well, then second day Yom Tov is actually something different. That really is spiritual in of itself. It's not take, you know, with, with, uh, with the Seder. You know, the, the way people look at it is like the first Seder is the real one and the second Seder is like, yeah, you know, take two. Who cares? Well, for the Rambam, it's no, actually, it's, a, it's, it's, it's literally a different Seder. It's, it's, a, it's a different mitzvah. Now, you should treat it just as seriously as the way, you know, on Shabbos, just the same way that you treat borer with care, you treat the, the malacha of lush with care. It's like it's, it's two different malachas. So it's, it's a very different way of looking at, at Yom Tov with, through the eyes of the Rambam. That, that being said, what, how does tshuva get thrown into the mix with the Darabunan? Do you have to do tshuva if you accidentally... I didn't know. I didn't know. You're not supposed to, you know, uh, uh, do that, you know, like, muksa. I didn't know there was such a thing as muksa. Oops. Do you have to do chuva for it? 
So here it depends. If you're a Ramban person, again, the, 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 the whole idea behind Adarabanan is you need to listen to the rabbis. Well, if you just didn't know, you're not breaking that rule. Of course you want to listen to the rabbis. I just didn't realize the rabbis wanted me to do this. So there's no, there's no need for tshuva. If you really knew, okay, that's different. But there's actually, like, there's this, there's this. Yeah. So when it comes to Shogeg and Adarabanan, I did it on accident, I didn't know. You don't have to do tshuva for that, according to the position of the Ramban. Hmm. Because I want to listen to the rabbis. I'm a pro-rabbi listener. I just didn't know that I wasn't listening to the rabbis. Oops. Okay. So, so once you do it, though, according, like, and you know it's, like, from the rabbis, but you still go against it, that's when you're, like, uh, assert, like, that's when it's sort of, like, you're going over an assert Rabbanan. That's where you'd have to do tshuva. Well, no, but for the Ramban, that's where you'd have to do tshuva. Because, like, what I'm asking is, is like, in a yeah. sense that, let's say, like, an assert if you do it in an accident and you didn't realize you were doing it, don't you still have to do tshuva for that's it? That's right. So, but if you're doing it on purpose, like, you'll deal with the repercussion, because I feel like every mitzvah yeah. that you're going over has a different whatever. So is that the same case in a sense that like if you go over in a Sardar Banan, then it's not high, it's not it's not you don't have to you don't have to do Teshuva because you didn't realize that you were going over it, but like That's exactly the point okay. for the Ramban. But wait a minute, we have oh. the Rambam to to to, oh, wait, to contend with. But wait, there's more. For the Rambam, who again his whole idea is we're creating halacha. These is re, uh, excuse me, a Darabun is really Daraisa, according to the Rambam. Human made halacha, you do have to do chuva. Teacher who held by Rambam, so he'd always teach us like that. Okay, so you, according to his position, you'd have to do chuva. That's why I always had that question. Yeah. Of like, do you have to listen to Jeremiah like a Jeremiah because it's technically because he was telling us that? And I'm like, please go into this further. And he's like, no. Yeah. You have to learn halacha. Okay. Well, I just yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this, this actually, it, it comes out that this is this is a machlokus in the achronim. We, there are there are achronim that side with the Rambam, say the Mishnah Bura. He poskins like the Rambam, it seems to be. Um, there are other achronim, say Rav Shemshon Rafael Hersh, seems to poskin like the Ramban, that you wouldn't have to do tshuva. They look at, they, they, this is still a, a heatly debated topic in halacha today. Is it, is a, is it that a rabbinical, or, uh, a rabbinical ordinance, is it a deraisa or is it, you know, a derabonin, like meaning is it only man-made? And no divinity to it. We don't know. It's a good question. But they both agree that we have to follow. Yeah, that for sure. That for sure you have to. That's for sure, hundred percent. It's a question: Is it only functional? Like it's a good idea, meaning like that's that's. It's a, like the way that the Rabbiniona put it. It's an act of love that you you. When you have a goal, you have to work out a plan how to achieve that goal. Well, that makes sense. But or is it more? Is this all? Is this Man creating halacha where it's our expression of our Zelim Elohim. Now this this all this all covers the community, but we still are left with the same problem as individuals. That we do have to know ourselves. We do have to know our our particular limits and our our. Like I said, you know, the worst thing you can say to someone is "You're fine." We're not fine. We have to plan for it. We have to work ourselves out. Do we have to make our own individual darabunans in quotes? Like boundaries? Yeah. 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 
And that's an obligation that we have. There's, there's more, there's more to Darabunans than just the Darabunans. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a, it's, 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 there's a, there's a, a That's a good way of putting it. This isn't just a religious thing. This is a being an intelligent person thing. That's it's not the right way of putting it, but but it's it, yeah, it's that living in metaphysic land is 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 uh, it's abstract and it's deep and it's meaningful. But we also have to have to have common sense. Everyone needs common sense. No one's going to disagree. You shouldn't have common sense. And so it's like even here, you have to have common sense. Just because there's no Darabunin doesn't mean that you shouldn't make your own Darabunin. So it would be something as simple as, well, man, if you know that it's, a hard, it's, hard, it's hard waking up on time for shul or you know, to, to, you know, waking up to get on time for class, well, you have your own personal Darabunin to set an alarm. And that's a religious obligation. And how, and how far does that go? Can you hear the source for this? Like, can you say it in Hebrew? I, I just want to write it down and, like, look at it in the future, probably. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm not getting enough now, and I, I need to go soon. Yeah, this would, this would fall under the, the, the category called Seichel HaYashar. We talked about, what was it, like, oh. five sessions back. Oh, yeah, if you're... If this you're, is Seichel HaYashar is coming back. If you're gullible, it's usher. Yeah, being oh, gullible right. is usher. This is being good. This is the same thing as being gullible is usher. So I, I, I haven't seen anything. I don't know. So but it's a, yourself is also too. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Like we said, like like if you detach yourself from wanting to do things, it's kind of like being old. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's a tough one. I mean, especially like when it when it's getting like you know high intensity emotions of I won't care. Or, you know, that's no big deal. Or I mean, yeah, like that that, that stuff happens. And it's like, well, no, we have obligations of 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 avas rame, of loving other people, and and that is an emotion. Um, some rishonim don't learn it that way, Wait, but the but we have the, an obligation to love people. Yeah, as an emotion, the Rambam learns it that. Uh, way. That that that, What's that, up with that. So no, <laughs> like when you like. And so a part a part of yeah. that a part of the unspoken the unspoken darabunan of that is developing courage. Because it's it's darn scary, because it, it's darn scary to love somebody. Oh, well, what about? I, I was taking it more as like being aware. You have to be like instead of being ignorant, you have to put effort into like knowing your surroundings. That's also true. You also that's also true. I'm just saying like it's like you know you kind of think of love as a sort of like sweet you know warm and fuzzy feeling, but no, that's brave. If you can only love if you're brave, you can, you can only love if you're willing to be hurt. You're, you can only you can only love if you recognize your your limitedness and you are there's someone probably in this world who thinks you're disgusting even like not everyone likes you and you're you have failings and faults and life's tough and maybe this person won't love you back but you know what risk it anyway and love them anyway you don't say so that's a lot that's a darabunin man that's a personal darabunin yeah, but so it's, it's a serious question. Yeah, it's a serious, it's a very serious question. But who knows? I don't know if there's a source for this, but who knows that maybe even these personal Darabunans, if we are like the Rambam, maybe these also are, we're creating spiritual meaning in our lives. 
with the things that we come up with. I don't know. I didn't see a source for it. But it's an interesting thought nonetheless. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense, like, yeah. I just never heard it. Yeah. Like, in a way that says you have to. Yeah, yeah. You have to live. You don't got a choice. Yeah. It's by default. All right, guys. That's what I got. That's perfect. That's really nice. It was a good class. It was okay? I needed to hear a little bit of that.